Hey guys, and welcome to our nice little campfire in the woods. Yeah, this is our fourth episode and our second topic, which is something strange, which is something strange in the woods. A strange thing in the woods. And guess what? We're in the woods? We are in the woods. Uh, <laughs> that's what these trees are doing here. That's right. <laughs> we are out in the wilderness, on up in the mountains. On Friday the 13th. Around a campfire. By a full moon. By a full moon on Friday the 13th at a campfire. With talking, scotch. With scotch and Irish death. Yeah. And <laughs> talking about a strange thing in the woods. Which is true because it's like... 10:30. It's very dark, except for the full moon, which is now rising. Yeah, it's getting a little. Uh, it's crazy because the full moon casts a lot of shadows this time of night. Yeah, and if our if our audio quality isn't good, it's because we we are recording on our uh, smartphone because we are truly out of cell phone range, out in the middle of nowhere in the woods around a campfire, enjoying a barley pop or beer. Some people would like to call it. I don't think anybody calls it a barley pop. You don't? You want to head down to the hippity hop, grab a barley pop, and get a barley pop? <laughs> Did you grab that? He just grabbed a moth that was attracted by the fire out of thin air with his lightning speed hands. <laughs> that was weird. Anyway, so we are here in the woods, and we're doing this podcast right now. And because we're doing this opening before we actually get the stories, we don't know what the heck we're going to be talking about. Or if we're going to be able to, because yeah. nobody seems to be involved. Yeah, if somebody would, like, give us their stories, come on, damn it. But we're hoping... Explicit rating on iTunes. PG-13. Damn it, it's not a bad word. I guess not. I don't know what's bad these yeah. days. We are here in the woods, and we are about to launch... These strange stories. So, belt up, get ready, don't get too afraid, and if you do, call your counselor. <laughs> I got a better one. Okay. Throw on your backpacks, oh. grab some trail mix, nice, and hit the trails with us. True that. That's pretty good. And here's our first story. Hey guys. Hey guys. And thank you for tuning in to the fourth episode of A Strange Thing Podcast. Which on some podcasting platforms it might say episode five because we did a teaser. Yeah. So this is number four, no matter what your silly little yeah. app says. Yeah, because really this is episode number four and we're starting a new topic today. Yeah. Which is? Yeah, we're starting something. We're like Michael Jackson. We're going to be sad and something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, so our topic that we're starting, and we're calling this A Strange Thing in the Woods, mm -hmm. which if you've listened to our opening, you will discover that we did the kickoff for this topic while we were in the in woods. In the woods. Yep. We were on a hunt, and we mm -hmm. sat down by the fire, turned on the phone, and yeah. recorded ourselves rambling about strange things in the woods yeah so if you see a, or hear a quality difference between what we did in the woods and what we do here it's because we have better speakers or well better microphones here yep and speakers yeah, yeah. both realistic it's just better here <laughs> it's, it's warmer and <laughs> there's not bugs flying around have to grab moths out of the air like yeah some karate master like, <laughs> but you gotta admit that was awesome it was super fun we're up there it was a full moon it was friday the 13th and it was beautiful, and the fire was popping, and... It was crazy quiet. It was nice. It was pretty cool. It was really cool, and we had a good scotch. Yeah, we did. And we didn't drink too much. Drink responsibly. We just are saying that right now so that we can have a disclaimer. Yep. You've been disclaimed. You've been disclaimed. Don't be stupid. There you go. <laughs> so, this is all about your stories. Strange things that happen to you, our listeners, while you're outside or out in the woods. And we got some great ones. Yeah. So, let's just kick it off. Let's just go for it. All right. Okay. This one, I'm shouting out to Ron Colbert. Ron Colbert. Ron Colbert, the story is from you. And it's for us. And it's an awesome story. So Ron shared his story when he was in high school, almost graduating. Back in the day, like in the 
early 80s, maybe the late 70s. What you used to do is you would get in a car and you would go out on the cruise. Now, I know this is like something totally alien for everybody that's probably 25 and under. But what you would do is you would go out because you didn't have cell phones. You had to go out and drive really slowly back and forth on a boulevard and whistle at girls or boys, depending, whatever you wanted, (laughs) as the cars drove by you on the other side of the road. And you'd pull over and you'd talk and you'd meet your friends and you'd get tough and you'd like try to get start a fight or something if you're that kind of person. But it was just a fun thing you did on a Friday night. So or Saturday. Borrow night. the keys to your dad's Lincoln Continental. Or you might even have had a car. Maybe. But, yeah. Or take your uh, Ford Pinto. <laughs> yeah. Get a couple of your buddies. Mm-hmm. Several if it's the Lincoln. Two if it's the Pinto. (laughs) So Ron and his buddies, get this, get in, I think it's a 1980 Chevy Monza. Oh. Which, by the way, is the same car your mom had. Yeah. That was her first car. V6, little sporty little car, kind of fun. Kind of looks like a Datsun. Yeah, two-door coupe, right? So Ron and two or three of his buddies are out cruising. It's late. Cruise starts dying down about maybe midnight, 1 o'clock, 1 a.m., And so they decide to go home. So they get in the car, they're driving home, and this is taking place in Salt Lake City, Utah. And they were out by the railroad tracks, driving home, and they saw a train coming. And so they're watching the train coming, and they stop for the train, because they're not going to, they don't want to die. And as the train's coming, they look up and they see a hobo standing on the side of the tracks. And as the train goes by in front of them, the hobo takes off running so he can jump on the train. Okay. Because trains go slow through town, right? Yeah. So the hobo chases the train, grabs the railing, and guess what? Like from a like a Western movie. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna hop the train. He's gonna he's gonna be a train hopper. Okay. So he goes to grab the rail, he misses, falls down. And the train runs over him. Oh, my God. And they watched it happen? Yeah, from the Monza. Parked in front of the railroad tracks. (laughs) So they're like, oh, my gosh. And the train goes by. They're freaking out. They don't know what to do. They can't call, like, a paramedic or the police. They'd have to go to, like, a landline. Yeah, they'll have to go to a a phone booth or go to something that's open and borrow a phone. (laughs) That's not funny. (laughs) It is not funny. So the train goes by. They get out and run up to see what has happened, expecting to see the worst. And when they get up there, the train had ran over the guy and cut off both of his legs right above his knee. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's not funny. No. But, <laughs> but can you imagine? I mean, Walking you're, up on this. Just you're yeah. out on a cruise and this, this strange thing happens. It's strange, and you're, you're walking up and you're kind of going slow because you don't want to see it. And they get up there and everything is probably in like silhouette. Mm-hmm. And it's dark, it's they spooky. see arms flailing around yeah. and, and stuff like that. You they, can't hear the guy because all you can hear is... Yeah, the train going. Train. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. They get up there. The guy's been run over. His Both of his legs right above his knee are, are missing. And when the train ran over him, it rolled him underneath. And basically, his pant legs were wrapped up so tight around... Instant tourniquet. Yeah, it like pinched oh. off the blood supply. which probably saved his life and so they went up there and the guy is obviously in shock Mm -hmm. and ron said what struck him the most is when they got up to this person lying there that he was trying to stand up or sit up and every time because he's in shock and every time he tried to sit up i feel a graphic warning coming up yeah if you're squeamish yeah plug your ears yeah for a second but when you try to sit up, it would force the femurs <laughs> to protrude out of the of the, of the stump and then out of the pants. And they could see the bone push out. And then he'd lean back down and they'd retract back into so, his leg. <laughs> so he's like 18 or 19. Yeah. Yeah. All these guys are probably 18, 19 years old. So they have old. no idea like the best way to go about helping him. No. Other than maybe they like kinda held get him, him off the tracks yeah. or something. They got him off the tracks and kind of held him down. A guy ran back, got in the Monza, and took off to go f- get help. And eventually the cops come, and I think maybe a fire truck and, and an ambulance. Hopefully an ambulance. Yeah. 
And they pick this guy up and they take him off to the hospital. That is such a creepy, strange story. Super strange. So you start the night out going out thinking you're going to go find some hot chickies out on the Ooh, out on the boulevard. You end up saving a hobo with no legs. And you end up saving a hobo with no legs. Oh, crazy. Yeah. That is a, <laughs> Super that is a strange story. Ron Colbert. I'm surprised Ron didn't like just cauterize the wounds with friction and carry him back to the hospital. Yeah, it could be. Because a beast. We know Ron. He is a beast. He was a wrestler at the time. And he was the mascot for the cheer team. Take. Strong dude, yeah, strong dude. But anyway, Ron, thanks for that story. It's an awesome it's a story. crazy story. And a great kickoff story. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know really what that first story was, but I'm sure it was awesome because we chose it. So <laughs> now, the setup for our second story that we don't know what it will be. Here's our friend or listener giving Mail. us a story about something. Here she or he is. And they are going to... Tell you about it. And now we're going to tell you about them telling us about it. Yeah, we're going to talk to you about it. Go. So here's story number two. Click. (laughs) Should be like four of them. (laughs) I think so. Okay. So this story is really kind of cool. And it's weird. It's like something you would not expect. And it is brought to us by Travis Gatsby. Travis, thank you for sending it. It's an awesome story. Big TG. Big TG. (laughs) So Travis wrote up the story and sent it to us, and it is written so well. And we're going to kind of paraphrase for time's sake on our podcast, but for listeners who want to read Travis's story written out the way that it was done in in its purest form, go to our website, go to the episode page, and then look look at the links page, and you'll find his actual story in his own hand. Nice. That'll be cool. So anyway, the story goes that Travis sent us, it was about him and his wife and another couple that went up camping and motorcycle riding in a small area outside of Atlanta, Idaho. Yes, there is an Atlanta outside of Idaho or in Idaho. Oh, my Atlanta. I'm on my Atlanta. Yeah. So they go up there and they're going to go to this place called Grouse Lakes. And so the only way to really get there is on a motorcycle or side by side or something like that. You got to get up and and get up in the wilderness in the mountains. Mm. And so they go up there and they're riding motorcycles and they go to this lake. Sounds like fun. uh, Yeah, it does. Sounds like a lot of fun. Anyway, they go up there and one of the wives has this brilliant thought. She says, hey, isn't it called Grouse Lakes as in Grouse Lakes plural? And they're sitting around one lake. And it got them thinking, well, maybe there's another mm-hmm. lake around here somewhere. So, Sounds like adventure time. Adventure time. <laughs> so they get out their topographical maps, and sure enough, there's another lake. And they decide they're going to go out and find Ooh. it. So they get on their bikes, and they ride up there. And, and then they, I guess they have to get off and kind of do a little hiking. And while they're there, they look up, and guess what they see in the trees? Uh, air, uh, air, uh, airplane. Nope. In the, in the tree. Like in Jurassic Park. Oh, like it crashed. No. No, almost, though. They look up and they see a tan parachute hanging Ooh. from a tree branch. And at the end of the cord, something is tethered to it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so Travis and his friend are like, hey, girls, you guys stay here. We're going to go check it out in case there's a dead body girls. or something. You never yeah. know. And so they I go. that part of Jurassic Park, too. <laughs> yeah. Skulls. Probably wouldn't smell very good. There's like the body hanging. Ew. Yeah. Maybe like all the predators had like chewed off parts. The velociraptors. Yeah. Well, they get up there and it wasn't a human. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing was there. So (laughs) when they go around the corner and they look and there is like a 30 gallon drum attached to the cords at the end of this parachute. So they call the the girls over and the, they all are like looking at this thing and trying to move it. But it's like, (laughs) it's like 300 pounds, you know? And so there's a big barrel and it's duct taped and it's all sealed mm-hmm. up and like special wrap and stuff. And, and they're like, what in the heck is this? And they're jostling it, trying to shake it and figure it out. Well, time's a burning, man. They got to keep going. So they end up taking a video of it. And it must have been like a VHS tape because this is like 1995. Mm. So this is like a while ago. Nice. So, so they take a little quick video and then they're off again to find the lake, which they did. So, oh, good for them. Yeah. So the name was accurate. It, it is Grouse Lakes, plural. plural. So they go and they do their thing and then they go back to the camp. And the, the other couple, their friends, has to leave a little early. So Travis and his wife stay a couple extra days. Mm-hmm. And then they go home. 
And when they get home, they discover, like, on their answering machine, because they did have those in 1995. <laughs> beep, yeah. Beep. Hello, you've reached the big TG. I'm not <laughs> able to come to the phone right now, but if you have any questions about a mysterious barrel in the woods, leave a message. After the beep. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but it's loaded. There are all kinds of messages. And apparently what happened was the friends got home, they told their parents... And the parents told somebody else, and they told somebody else, and pretty soon the Forest Service heard about it, and it was a big deal. So they get there, and the Forest Service is on the messaging thing saying, hey, you need to come in right away. we got to talk about this. Bring your video. So they go to the Forest Service office in Twin Falls, Idaho, which is, I don't know, it's a good 100 miles, 80, 90 miles from from Atlanta. Yeah. It's a ways. Yeah. So they go back, and, and they go to the office, the Forest Service, and they describe what they saw. And before they even view the tape that they'd recorded, they're like, you know what? You need to go right to the DEA. No boy. So for those of you who don't know, DEA stands for what, Austin? It's a test. Drug, drug and Drug Administration. Drug Enforcement <laughs> Administration. Good try. You're almost, you had one third of it. <laughs> Ed, no, you had two thirds. Administration. <laughs> Drug Enforcement Administration. Ad, administration. Yeah. So they go to the DEA's office and they show this tape. And, and I guess they're sitting around this table and the people around the table kind of look like thugs, kind of like mobsters or something nice. more than DEA agents. And so it was a little weird, but they show the tape and the DEA agents are like, oh my gosh, this is classic narcotics dropping into wilderness right. So they can bypass, you know, laws and and cops and everything like that. They drop in the wilderness and they have mules go up and get it. And then they take it down and sell it. Yeah, and they distribute it and make lots of money. So the DEA agents see this video and they're like, we've got to do something right away because somebody's going to go up there and get it. We're going to have all these drugs on the market. And not only that, your lives are in danger because you found this, you videotaped Mm. it. And you guys, which is Travis and his wife, you know, they could be after you. Makes sense. Anyway, they say, hey, you've got to take us up there. And he goes, okay, I can do that like maybe Wednesday or next yeah. week. I get off early on Friday. Something like that. Can, uh, and they go, no, you got to take us up there first thing tomorrow morning. Hmm. And he's like, you can only get there by motorcycles. And he goes, we'll get motorcycles. We got to get up there first thing tomorrow morning. <laughs> he's like, oh, I don't know. And he goes, you, if you don't, your life's in danger. So go home, lock the doors. And if anything weird happens, call us immediately. They're really like call the fire under yeah. the guy. <laughs> so they're all nervous and a little creeped out. They go home. And the next day he gets up and he loads up his motorcycles and he meets the DEA agents and off they go to check out the barrel of narcotics. The mysterious barrel of Right. Grouse legs. Mm-hmm. So while they're driving up there, they're talking about, you know, drugs and how they'll drop in drugs in a barrel and then people will go up and get it and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and they're talking about how it's really cool because if there are drugs in the barrel, him and his wife, they would get 5% of the street value of the drugs as a reward for finding nice. the drugs. So he's like, oh, yeah, this is <laughs> awesome, man. And he's spinning his money in his head, he said, as he's going up there. And so they get up to Atlanta, and they unload the bikes, and then they start driving up through the trails and stuff like that. And I guess somewhere along the way, and I don't know if it's they stop somewhere, but somewhere along the way, one of the DE agents said, hey, um, did you by chance wiggle the barrel or jiggle it or anything like that? Mm. Or did you guys just look at it? He goes, no, we, we wiggled it and we were going to try to cut the top off and we didn't. And he goes, oh, well, good. Because if it was booby trapped, it probably would have blown up. Mm. <laughs> and he's like, what? No, no. Yeah, it scared him half to death, you know, that they were maybe up there and this thing had been booby trapped. Yeah, they could have died. They could have died. Crazy. Yeah. They end up getting on the motorcycles, and Travis said that these guys obviously aren't motorcycle riders, but somehow they manage to make it up to the site. (laughs) And they find the barrel and the parachute. And uh, they go up to it, and they're kind of carefully rolling it around and stuff like that. One thing I forgot to tell you is on the top of the barrel, somebody had written, with a Sharpie, had written the following warning. R2 Lightning Pounder. Mm. Cursed be the man who opens this 
but does not own it. Whoa. Yeah. How piratey. Kind of piratey yar. Yar. But also, too, me like you know, when they're, when they're talking about booby traps, I mean, this is kind of like, woe yeah. be to the man. So anyway, when the agents get to the barrel, they are very careful as they try to open this thing. Mm-hmm. They don't want to set off a booby trap or something like that. And uh, after a while, they end up getting the top off. They get the duct tape off and the wrap off and they lift up the lid. And inside the lid is like a white batting material, heavy batting material. So the cushion, whatever's underneath. Whatever's in there. And um, Travis says, the agent that was opening the barrel goes, okay, boys, this is what Mm -hmm. this is all about. This is why we do this job. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all like, ooh, what's going to (laughs) happen? So the agent pulls back the batting. And guess what he sees? <laughs> nope. No cocaine. But a whole bunch of cans of beer. Oh nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they pull back the batting and there are all these beer cans there. They're like, this is it, boys. Yeah. And they're not like Bud Light, you know, a Kurz Light average beer. They're like Irish stout beers. Nice. And imported beers. So they start digging in it and it's beer after beer after beer. And then they think, well, is it really beer? Or maybe these are cans of cocaine in you know that look like beer Mm -hmm. they open a can and it's a beer and they open another can and it's a beer and And they open a third can and the agent actually takes a sip of it and goes yeah it's beer then they (laughs) turned into dui agents (laughs) instead of dea agents yeah they just had a big party up there (laughs) big old kegger in the well they had to test all of the beer make sure it wasn't Meth or something. <laughs> well, the DUI agents, I mean, DEA <laughs> agents, they actually, after a while, they realized this is just a big bunch of beer, 30 gallon drum of beer. Yep. And uh, Travis says that while they're looking at these and he's realizing that all that money he thought he was going to get Ooh. as a reward <laughs> is evaporating. It goes this 5%. From 5% of the of, street value to 5% of alcohol. Yeah, a street value of like millions of dollars <laughs> to like nothing. 5% alcohol. <laughs> 5% alcohol. <laughs> yeah. So he's pretty discouraged, you know. And the uh, the agent that's digging in there looks at it and he goes, you know, I understand, you know, you're probably depressed, but I'm a man of my word. So he reaches in and gets a full can of beer and hands it to him and says, okay, here's your 5%. <laughs> Yay. And gives him a can of beer. That's f- so he takes his can of beer. And we have a picture of that can of beer on our website. If you go to the links page, this actually happened. This is a real story. It's an awesome story. They decide they'll put all the beer cans that they pulled out back into the barrel. And then they're going to seal it up. But right before they do, the DE agent takes out a card, a business card, and puts it in the barrel <laughs> and seals it back up, puts the lid back on. So what probably happened, it's probably like some, you know, elk hunters pre-drop. They didn't want to yeah. pack up, you know, all this dropping some 300 pounds in. of beer. So they dropped off this 30-gallon drum full of beer. Uh, so they didn't have to funny. pack it. We should start doing that. That's a good idea. You know anybody with a help? Heliplane? Heliplane? Helicopter <laughs> plane? How about a helicopter? <laughs> I do know people with airplanes. So if we knew somebody with a, an airplane, we could just have them drop it in. It'd yeah. be cool. So anyway, somewhere, sometime, hopefully, somebody came back up to their elk camp, yeah. and they went to get their beer, and they're like, what? Because it they looked like it's DEA open. Thing. <laughs> and then Ooh. see a card in there. It says DEA. That's hilarious. Whatever his name is. Those are my dogs. They're pain. <laughs> Penelope Copperbottom. So, Travis, just want to tell you one more time, thank you for sending that story. Yeah, that was it's a, awesome. It's a great story, and it is not what you think. It truly is a strange thing in the woods. It which, is super strange. Which is exactly Almost what we more want. strange than what we were thinking. I know. We were thinking, like, <laughs> we're going to get aliens and ghosts and yeah. all this weird stuff, but we get a 30-gallon drum of beer in the woods. Nice. Actually, that is really nice. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody wants to drop a 30-gallon drum of beer near our house, um, get with us, and we will figure out a way to do that. And you won't even need an airplane. Yeah. You just, can just, just come, come and bring our truck. doorbell. Yeah. yeah. We'll be here. We'll unload it for you for free. <laughs> 
All right, Whoa. that was an awesome wow. story. Can you what a that? doozy. That was crazy. The specifics that I can't get into because yeah. I don't know what they are yeah, right now. Yeah, because we're just like doing these intros. We don't know what the heck you guys are going to tell us about, but it's going to be pretty cool. I think we should. But let's go on to number three. I think we should cut in with a little bit of our own insight and then play the this yeah. part. Yeah, I totally. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Yeah, it'll be cool. But um, also, we want to do a shout out again. A couple shout outs. All right. We know people. Just don't shout too loud. It's late. Yeah, it, it is true. And we're up in the wilderness. We could bug people. Because <laughs> there's so many people in the wilderness. I know. There's like, <laughs> there is a camper, what, quarter of a mile away? Yeah. Eighth of a mile a away. Little while. Yeah. They had their music up too loud. It kind of pissed me off because here we are in the mountains. I like Chris Stapleton, but it's not appropriate. Yeah, it was. It season. was. It was kind of cool, but they shouldn't be doing it. I think we should go on to story number three. Story number three would be great. I got done with number two. I already wiped. <laughs> All right. So stupid. Here's story number three. <laughs> that, was so that was dumb. <laughs> but it was good. That was okay. a good number two. All right. It's kind of funny, this uh, Ron Colbert story in this one kind of remind me of a story that's not so happy, but also kind of weird. There were these two young boys that went out. So this is another story inspired by... Yeah, just these last couple stories. The beer kinda, drop in the woods and yeah. Ron, you know, being a man and discovering the guy with the severed femurs. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so these guys are out. Uh, these two young boys have a sleepover, like in junior high or something. Mm-hmm. So they decide they're going to go do some uh, spotlighting rabbits or something and with a twenty-two mm-hmm. rifle and shoot some rabbits and spotlight them, which is not ethical. But Yeah, I'm not making the connection yet, but I think you're getting it. Okay. <laughs> they meet up with another boy, I think, or some other people there, and uh, they come up by these railroad tracks. And um, flash forward to later, there's this train conductor coming down the tracks and sees these two what look like bodies on the railroad tracks. What? Yeah, so he tries to hit his brakes. He can't hit his brakes fast enough because trains don't stop very well. Mm-hmm. He ends up running over these two things on the track. Turns out it was two young boys. The same two boys? Yeah. Ugh. But the parents don't really know. The police seem to kind of be keeping it in the dark. And uh, the police kind of start investigating this stuff. And the police are like, well, there shouldn't have been people on the tracks. The guys that are running the train hit cows and stuff all the time. They're like, these, they look like they'd already died. Yeah, because of... Like they'd been placed Kids would there. get out of the way. Yeah, and yeah. like to not even turn your head when you start feeling the train come down the tracks is a little, you know, so you, you have to have you, some balls. You're basically saying that two kids Got on a sleepover were like murdered and set on the tracks and ran yeah. over by a train? Yeah. This is not a funny story, it's Austin. It's not, but it's not all funny, Dad. This isn't, I mean, our last story was kind of like lighthearted. I, I gotta bring it back to scary and spooky. Okay. Keep anyway, going. Uh, it's it, gross, by the way. It sounds like throughout the investigation that we find that uh, these kids may have come across a drug drop. Near oh. the railroad track, because oh. there's a clear cut in the railroad track, so it's easier for people to find. Oh, my. Because it was out across, in the like, forest. Yeah. Okay. So maybe they came across the people looking for the drop, or they came across the boys that had already found the drop, and these drug people apparently had killed them and put them on the tracks. And, uh, yeah. Crazy okay, story. I kind of see the connection of... You know, Ron's guy. Ron. The hobo getting ran over. Yeah. And then this kind of... I'm kind of seeing the connection now. Yeah. So you've got the railroad tracks and the kids getting run over. At least they were dead already. Yeah. I mean, at least. That sounds horrible. That doesn't make it any better. And then you've got potential drug drops in this area Mm -hmm. and some kind of of bad drug runners going up to get the drugs, find the kids. kids, And then they got to take care of the kids. because Kill the kids and try to put them on the railroad tracks to make it look like an accident. Is this a real story? It is. It's like a, a true crime file. It actually, I heard about it. I don't know a whole lot about it. I was uh, just listening at work. Of, uh, I think True Crime Garage covered it. Oh, it's we a like great, uh, a great podcast. We like True Crime yeah. Garage. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, but. it's a podcast. We're not really supposed to like. I guess. I mean, it's kind of a food pod to like give somebody else creds during your podcast about another podcast. But we love True Crime Garage. So yeah. kudos to good job, True Crime Garage. Even though that's a terrible yeah, story. Thank you.
So what'd you think of story number three? It was almost as good as story number one. We don't know what any of these are. So I know, but I'm just saying. They were all really good. We wouldn't pick it if it wasn't as good as, almost as good as number one. That's true. That's true. And now, our grand finale. Story number four. For sure. Unless we have number five. Unless, yeah, unless we keep going. Okay, let's just do number four. Okay. Story count of three. One, two, two three, four. Story number four! <laughs> I think on the count of three. One, two, three, four. Four! That's funny. That is funny. Okay, this next story is pretty creepy for a number of reasons. Um, To start off with, you know, anytime you go out camping or hiking by yourself, I mean, your your imagination is running wild anyway, especially when it's kind of creepy and it's scary and... Late at night. Yeah. You get kind of like... Yeah. Especially just because you're by yourself. You get yeah. Like a little paranoid. Yeah. And your mind can play tricks yeah. on you and stuff like that. So this is one of those kind of stories. And this takes place in uh, an area of Virginia called Sharptop Mountain. And Sharptop Mountain is a location in Virginia where in 1943, a B-25 bomber... And there you can Google this. There's a lot of, you know... I just did Google it. Did you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of stuff about it that, you know, you can kind of get a lot of different stories and perspectives. But basically what happened, and there was a flight crew on a B-25 that, for whatever reason, flew into the side of this mountain in Virginia. Oh, boy. Sharp Top Mountain. All of them died. They were all killed. And the wreckage was up on this Sharp Top Mountain, and it's kind of a really rugged area. It's hard to get to. So when they went in, they removed the bodies of the airmen that were killed and they took the armaments that were in the plane, but Mm -hmm. basically they left everything else. They left the fuselage engine, everything like that up on this mountain. And yeah, when I Google, that's a big plane. Yeah, it's a big plane. Yeah, it's a huge plane. (laughs) And this is 1943. There's not a lot of easy ways to get it down. So they they just leave that up there. Mm -hmm. And since then, it has kind of become this secret location where people can go to if you know the coordinates. It's not like it's mapped. It's not like there are trails there. Um, I think recently, within the last probably 10, 15 years, they did put a plaque there and they made it kind of a memorial Mm. spot up on this mountain. But it's not something that's advertised. It's not like real easy to find. Right. It's yeah. it, There's not like a trail that goes exclusively there because they don't want people going up there and pillaging and, you know, taking yeah, stuff. ruining everything right. for everybody. And, you know, defiling the, it's mm-hmm. the place where five airmen died. So you're not really supposed to go up there and camp. Um, it's kind of off limits on purpose. And our story uh, is by a fellow, let's call him Bob. Wow. He wished to remain anonymous because legally he wasn't really supposed to go up there and camp out overnight, mm. but he did. Good job, and this is his story. <laughs> so um, Bob goes up there. He want, He's heard about this crash site. He's been wanting to see it for a long time. There are trails in the area close by mm-hmm. um, because it's part of that Appalachian Trail chain. And so he wants to go see this crash site. And he, after doing a lot of investigation, he finds the location and he decides he's going to go up there. And he hikes up there by himself and he ends up, you know, after a long day, he finally locates the crash site. Oh, cool. Yeah. And by the time he gets there, it's getting dark and he's like, oh man, I don't want to climb down in the dark. Mm. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to sleep up here. I've got a, I've got a hammock. I've got some blankets. I got water and stuff. I'm just going to go ahead and stay the night and I'll head down early in the morning. Improv camp go. Right. So there he is. He's up on top of this, this sharp top mountain in Virginia. And you know, the night is cold and it's fall. And so there are like leaves on the ground and sticks and crunchy. And so he hangs a hammock up between a couple trees right in the crash area. And he says he goes to sleep. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Hmm. something grabs his arm and tries to pull him out of his hammock. So he's like, you know, trying to wake up, trying to hold on and not fall out of the hammock, right? Finding his flashlight. He finally manages to find it. He's shining it around and there's nothing there. 
There is nobody around. There is no animals around. There wasn't any noise of like, like people those, stepping in the leaves or yeah, the branches. Those leaves weren't. Yeah, none of that. Crazy. So there he is, basically swinging, assaulted in his hammock, trying to figure out what in the heck just happened, mm-hmm. trying to wake Frantically up. Frantically shining yeah. his flashlight around. And there's nothing but the the broken pieces and fuselage of this airplane around Ooh, in the crazy. middle of the night. <laughs> and he said by then, you know, it was the paint had all come off, so it was kind of this like silvery gray shiny stuff and then in the light of night you know the moon and Mm. just creepy yeah so he goes ahead and he says he didn't sleep much but he ends up staying the rest of the night until light breaks and then he gets the heck down the mountain yeah yeah for sure that is a really creepy story it's super creepy did he have like does he say if he had like marks or anything from it you know, he didn't say anything about marks, but I asked him, I said, so, you know, were you up there alone? He goes, yeah, I was up there alone. Mm-hmm. Were you drinking? <laughs> you know, yeah. did you have some substance that helped contribute to your delusion? Did you find any random mushrooms that you <laughs> ate? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, I was up there. I hadn't been drinking. I was by myself. And he goes, this is one thing that he said. He said he does not believe in paranormal stuff. He doesn't believe in ghosts and all that crap. He is like, you know, not a believer. But this one instance has almost got him to change his mind crazy because something happened something grabbed him right it wasn't an animal it just animals don't grab they bite right you'd have to have a long sleeve maybe they could tug on your sleeve or something yeah you wonder or you know maybe he had a dream and like he was leaning over the side of the hammock and he caught himself half unbalanced and that made him kind of jostle and wake up where you feel like you're falling and you yeah so i wonder about that yeah but, you know, for him, up there alone on this mountain, by himself, <laughs> camping. I mean, yeah. you, you don't, I don't, I don't understand the allure of going out by yourself camping. Right. It is kind of spooky. I like the idea of being out there and like roughing it. Yeah, but, but not it, alone. I think it's easier with somebody. <laughs> yeah, I want somebody else, somebody that can run faster than or so at they least get eaten in the first. Area. Yeah. You know, like maybe you camp in your own spot, but. You wake up and see somebody. It kind of reminds me of the story of a guy. And I don't know where I heard it. Like maybe a friend told me by a campfire, you know, on a uh-huh. car ride somewhere camping or something. But uh, he went up kind of in the same area, I think, like the Pacific Northwest where there's like kind of rainforest areas or something. Uh-huh. And he goes up like backpacking. Alone? Yeah, by himself. Like, so, he, so he's a idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy sucker. Idiot, but yeah. maybe... Maybe an idiot. So he backpacks out there quite a ways by himself, away from the trailhead, no real trail uh-huh. going to where he's camping. In the story, apparently he only saw like a few people, you know, like on the- On the uh, whole t- on trail a, yeah, system? Like, no, there's no trail system. I think mm-hmm. he's like just bushwhacking. Well, that's kind of like what this guy, we'll call him Bob, what Bob said. is like, he there were people on the trail, you know, like a mile away or two miles mm-hmm. away. But he, nobody camping out like where Real he was close, at. Real close, yeah. yeah. So he was kind of well, alone like this guy, it sounds This like. one, he said like during the day he used binoculars and saw some people floating down the, the a river in kayaks. So like <laughs> so, like even if he did see somebody, it's not like they're going to come climb up right. a mountain and find him. They're a ways away. But apparently he camps out on this cool spot and uh, goes to bed. In a tent or something? Yeah, in a tent. He comes back home after his week or weekend or whatever he does. And he gets his photos developed on his camera, oh, and no. on his camera, like his mm. when he, you know, they come back like from Costco or whatever. They're like in the envelope. Yeah, he like go through. There's a bunch of pictures of himself sleeping, like somebody took like a somebody picture. had got in his tent and used his camera and just took pictures <laughs> of him sleeping. I, I hate that <laughs> Isn't kind that of creepy? stuff. Oh <laughs> no, terrifying. That's like those stories you hear about people going to like Mexico. And they leave their toothbrushes out on the counter oh, in the yeah. room. And then Only they, worse. They come back and the pictures are developed and it's like their toothbrushes are being, in, being used, molested. Used to scrub the toilet or in somebody's rectum. Yeah, <laughs> that's awful. It's gross. This is not, this is not happy story time. No. We want more happy story time. No, it's a strange <laughs> thing. It's weird stories. It is weird. Not yeah. happy story time. Okay. Well, anyway, Bob, thank you so much for sending your story. It was awesome. It's great. Um, if anybody else out there has stories like this on the out, you know outdoors or in the woods or whatever on the Anywhere. lake, graveyard, send them in. We're going to do these kind of podcasts occasionally in mm-hmm. between our topic, big topic discussions. 
we're going to do these one-offs where we talk about and share strange stories that people, our listeners have had. Yeah. So send them in. We love them. My story at astrangething.com and we'll keep them. And if we use them, we'll send you some cool swag. Yep. And I've had a trail camera up for a couple weeks now. Oh yeah. I wonder what maybe, will be on that. Maybe we'll have something strange on the trail Maybe camera. you'll see a Bigfoot with somebody's toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I guess. <laughs> Yuck. Yuck, I wouldn't use that one again. Mm-hmm. Or maybe yeah. I would. <laughs> All right. I don't know about you, Austin, but story number f- three. No, we were three, right? No, that was number four. Remember we did one, two, three, four? Oh, yeah, yeah. Story number four was really awesome. It was cool. We don't know what it was, but... <laughs> Like we said earlier, it must have been awesome because we picked it. And now we are on the final conclusion. Our last story of the night. Yes. It seems redundant. I know, but it's okay. I know. We're in the woods. We can be strange in the woods like this podcast. A strange thing in the woods. And now for story number what? Five. Is that Cinco? Story number Cinco. Or Eins, Zwei, Drei, Vier, Fump. Story number fump. Fump is the noise the deer make when they're yeah. running. We don't want to do story number six. There are too many stories of six. Yeah, because number six, guess what that would be? What? Sex. <laughs> because, are you drunk? <laughs> no, in German. Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fump, sex. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, we don't want to tell you about our sex story. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to stop at number five. Yeah, we're number five. Cinco. So, our next story comes from Will Niffin, all the way from Llano, Texas. Llano. I think it's Llano. I mean, it's L-L-A-N-O. So, if you were like in Austin, maybe you would say Yano. But it's you know what I mean. But it's Llano, Texas. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, this story is pretty cool as well. So this one takes place probably. You know, I'm not even sure the year. Um, I'm guessing probably mid 2000s, maybe early 2000s. And it takes place in Llano, Texas, at a at a outcropping of rock that's very famous there called the Enchanted Rock. Ooh, mystical. Yeah, Enchanted Rock. <laughs> and if you get online and you Google it, there's a lot of history, a lot of legends there. Mm. It's kind of a cool, it's it's like, you know, the area looks pretty flat or like rolling hills. But in this one area, there's like this big jutting up of rounded rock, kind of like a dome. And it's shaped kind of like a half of a peanut. And it's just kind of poking up in the air. It's like this rock and rock crevice structures. And it's it's mm. large and fairly tall. And it's just kind of famous. It's a it's a landmark. And there's a lot of history there, legends about like a guy who the Comanche Indians stole his wife and they they were going up there and were gonna sacrifice her to the spirits upon this rock so that they they could basically be free of evil spirits or something. And this guy gets his rifle and he runs up there and he ends up taking it on all of the Comanches and fights them and and is victorious and rescues his wife and saves his wife. Sounds like a good setup for a movie about hauntings or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got a long history of weird stuff and a lot of legends about, like, the spirits that are kind of, you know, not benevolent. They're actually kind of naughty spirits up in that area. Yeah. So anyway, like all young boys want to do, of course, they want to go camp out someplace weird like that. So Will and a few of his friends, there's probably six or seven of them, he says... They decide they're going to go camp up at Enchanted Rock. And it was towards the end of fall, getting towards winter, and it was kind of cold outside. And so they're in this big tent, all of them, and they're playing cards, playing like poker. staying warm. They're playing cards in the tent with their flashlights at night in the cold. Okay. And while they're playing cards, they notice that the zipper of the tent is slowly inching down. Yeah, all <laughs> oh, these like young 60s. Is there like a, a, a 
Like, is this a common place, or did they like hike to a camp spot, or like are there other people? Well, around? I get it's a it's a kind of a national monument, I guess, or not a national so monument. So there's probably some other campsites. Yeah, I think there's a state park there. Okay. So there are campsites and there are trails you can hike all over this thing. So they're there, and the tent zipper starts going down. And one thing I will say, he says that when they got there, they didn't see any other campers. They oh, were kind okay. of alone, right? So they're out there alone in their tent playing cards in the light of flashlights and the zipper comes down and then all of a sudden this woman's head, white woman's head in a white dress pokes through into their tent and kind of just looking at them awkwardly, you know, and they're all like, what's going on? And after a minute, one of the boys gets brave enough and he says something like, "Uh, can we help you? <laughs> and the woman says, "Do you know where my camp is?" And they're like, uh, uh, "No, <laughs> we don't know where your camp is." And kind of awkward silence, weirdness. Mm-hmm. And then the lady backs out, and the zipper goes back up on the tent from the outside, and then silence. And they're all sitting there in awkward silence, <laughs> wondering what in the heck just happened. That's weird. And finally they get brave enough. Somebody unzips it and starts to look, you know, outside. They zip it down, look outside, and there is no one there. Oh, creepy. (laughs) There's no campers around. There's nothing. And this this woman that had unzipped their tent was wearing a white dress. She had white hair and very pale. Mm, Very ghostly. Yeah, and she wasn't wearing shoes. And this is towards winter. So, you know, it's Texas. So it's probably not like frigid, you know, sub-zero weather. Yeah. But it's cold. You would not be walking around in a white dress in bare feet, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a skinny white woman. I mean, you have no meat, no insulation, no blubber. Right. So, So they're all weirded out by this. And I asked them, I said, so did you guys... Did you guys manage to stay the rest of the night or did you get freaked out and just go home? Because I would have been out of there so fast as a teenager mm. man. If, if somebody, I'd be like, I'm gone. I'm out. I'm that gone. or they were like, do you think she'll come back? <laughs> Why would she? She was really hot. No. <laughs> no. An old white woman in a wedding well, or white dress. She's white. Nothing wrong with well, white people, Dad. I guess not. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, apparently she didn't come back. They ended up going home, but it's been something that they have talked about for, you know, ever since that happened. Crazy. Yeah. It's now etched in their memory. Hmm. So when, when he told me this story, I got online to start doing some research on this area. And there is a legend that I think kind of ties into it. No. So the legend goes that some Comanche warriors abducted, stole a white woman from somewhere around that area and as they were carrying her off she managed to escape and she ran to the enchanted rock area and she hid in the crevices and in the low areas of the rock and the indians weren't able to find her the comanches yeah they couldn't find her but as the days went on and she was lonely she would start crying out and screaming in the night Mm, And the legend, yeah, and the legend is, is the screams and the those sounds that you hear at Enchanted Rock. Lost, and she was looking for her campsite. Lost and looking for her home or camp. So here you have this strange woman in a white dress coming and looking for her camp. So I'm thinking maybe that's a connection. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. But that's a great story. Uh, Will, thank you for sending that in. We're going to send Will and everybody who whose story we use, we're going to send you some swag. And uh, we just thank you for that. And also, while we've got a captive audience here, don't forget on your favorite podcasting system to like and follow and subscribe our podcast. It really helps us out as we move along. So maybe, and I think we've all been there, you get back from your lonely trip in the woods, your long weekend. You're like sweaty you're, and you're tired. You're creepy and you're story a in the bit, woods. You're a little bit paranoid from all the shadows up in the woods. Yeah. So you go home and you take a shower. And you go to your pub, your little bar, and you meet your buddies for some drinks and some pretzels or something. Like where? Where do you go? Maybe you go to Milner's Gate. Milner's in Twin Gate. Falls. But maybe the shadows of Milner's Gate 
are no safer than the shadows of the woods. That's right. So what are we saying here is that people should join us next time as we venture into the paranormal possibilities of a strange thing in strange places. Maybe they should join us next time for some cold drinks and strange conversations. At Milner's Gate. At Milner's Gate. 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 We don't know what we just talked about, but we sh- we are sure it is awesome. Yep. And we're just glad you guys like joined us. Yep. And we're still here by the fire, and like kind of like kind of like being outside of time. We are jumping forward and backward in time because Ooh. we're getting stories, but we're recording this before the stories even arrive. Yeah, we're like interdimensional. Well, we are so glad you joined us. We had a fun time. We're having a fun time right now in the wilderness. We hope you aren't too creeped out. Go out, enjoy the wilderness. There's nothing like it. Yeah, especially, I don't know, I gotta give pretty mad props to Idaho for having such vast wilderness and such varying terrain. It's pretty awesome. It is cool. Idaho is a great state. We're looking up, we're looking at the stars, lighting up the sky. It is just a beautiful night. I think I heard some elk bugling earlier. Yeah. It's awesome. We heard buck snorts. Oh yeah, that was cool. That was weird. So we come across these does. Deer. With deer. Deer does. Yeah. Doe. A deer. A female deer. They might have been male. I don't know. I think they were does because they didn't have any antlers. They were some fawns though. We don't know if they were male or female. They're pretty close. I feel like you'd be... Well, yeah, the fawns, I guess. Uh, okay, so... Anyway. So if they were if they were bucks, they were fawns. Fawn bucks. We got pretty close to them. <laughs> yeah, we did. And they would stop and look at us, and Dad and I are both just on the trail, just like... Bleh! Just frozen. frozen. And uh, they would go... <laughs> yeah, they'd blow air out their nose. And kind of like a horse does when it snorts. Like... <laughs> Yeah, anyway, it was really cool. It was cool. And they would flick their tails and then like snort, snort. And then they would hop three feet and then look at us. That was so cool. The way they they bound, they hop. Yeah, it's it's really cool. The way you could watch them communicate to each other. Yeah, their tails were flipping like, hey, don't go down there. Warning, my tail's flipping. Like flash, flash, flash. Flash, flash. Snort, snort. It was cool. Bound, bound, bound. And then look, flash, snort. It is such an honor to see such awesome stuff in the wild wildlife snorting bounding up (laughs) bounding up a mountainside in heavy timber is just i mean it was incredible i i was sitting there i was like i almost wanted to pinch myself yeah is this real is it am i really having a staring contest with an animal right now well hey thank you for joining us on this strange thing podcast and thanks again for listening take it easy guys ciao